Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for joining us here for week two of the AccuWeather podcast. And we want to uh, supply you with some really important information because May 6th through the 12th, is National Hurricane Preparedness Week. And we are getting you prepared here with two special interviews that we have. And I'm joined in the studio by my esteemed colleague and producer, Andy Robbs. Hello, Regina. <laughs> Thank you for being here and Absolutely. getting me on the air. <laughs> no problem. It's I'm glad to do it. <laughs> Great. That's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, tell me who we've got lined up for today. On today's show, uh, we're going to be talking with Daniel Brown. He is a senior hurricane specialist and warning coordination meteorologist uh, from NOAA's National Hurricane Center in Miami with some hurricane preparedness tips. And then we'll also be speaking with Dan Kotlowski, AccuWeather's senior meteorologist and hurricane expert, to talk about the 2018 hurricane season. Right, and we're really all keeping our fingers crossed that the uh, 2018 season doesn't turn out to be like the 2017 season. So we have all that information coming up. Stay tuned. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. On the line, we have Dan Brown. He's the Senior Hurricane Specialist and Warning Coordination Meteorologist at the National Hurricane Center. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure that this is a super busy time for you right now. Thank you. It is uh, fairly busy for us at the Hurricane Center as we're gearing up toward the 2018 hurricane season. Right. Well, 2017, oh my gosh, was so unprecedented and um, was also one of the costliest on record, $290 billion in damage I've heard. Can you talk to me a little bit about last season before we start talking about this season? Last season was uh, unfortunately a very impactful season across uh, much of the Caribbean and also the United States. Uh, within the U.S., we had uh, three uh, Category 4 uh, landfalls. Uh, first one of those was Harvey uh, in the upper Texas coast. Uh, then we had uh, Irma in Florida, and then we had Maria in Puerto Rico. And we can't forget about Nate that also struck the northern Gulf Coast as a Category 1 hurricane and uh, did unfortunately uh, cause large loss of life, both direct and indirect fatalities. But thankfully, uh, we didn't see any significant numbers of deaths from storm surge. I think our, some of the new products that we're issuing at the Hurricane Center uh, may be making a difference in helping get folks out of the way ahead of areas that might flood uh, from storm surge. I was just talking to uh, Dan Kutlowski, who I'll be talking to in a little bit coming up here, and he was telling me the storm surge products are really important. I mean, there's a lot of countries that don't have anything like that. It's really you providing that. Uh, that's correct. Uh, about uh, Over the past decade, the National Weather Service and Hurricane Center have really tried to uh, increase our messaging and uh, the awareness of the storm surge hazard. Um, storm surge historically uh, has been a hazard that caused the largest loss of life uh, in hurricanes. And before last year, we didn't have a warning to really uh, be able to highlight the areas that we were most concerned about for life-threatening storm surge. Uh, last year, we issued the very first storm surge warning uh, during Harvey. Uh, and uh, not only do we have the warning, but we also have a graphic now that highlights the areas uh, that could flood 
and how far inland that storm surge could penetrate, giving folks kind of a picture of uh, what the risk might be. So uh, we really do feel like that those products are beginning to make some headway uh, in getting uh, coastal residents to understand the hazard and then do a better job at uh, reacting and, and making those preparedness efforts. You uh, had mentioned preparing, and I know that you suggest a, a hurricane plan. So I wanted to ask you, what's it, what's it mean to have a hurricane plan? And then also, who should? Because sometimes people believe if they're far enough away from the area that's going to be hit that they don't need to worry about it. But But you're kind of advising them to also have a hurricane plan. So who should and what is that? To me, one of the first things that I tell people uh, before the hurricane season is to uh, find out what your risk is. Find out if you live in a a hurricane evacuation zone. Uh, And if you do, uh, then you need to find someone that lives uh, inland and know where you're going to go to ride out the storm because we really want to focus people that live in those storm surge risk areas to move away from the coast. But you know, folks that live outside that zone, um, I live outside that zone here in, in Miami, but yet I have a hurricane planned. And it's essentially to make sure that I have all the supplies necessary to sustain myself, my family for several days for even up to a week after the storm, non-perishable food, uh, water, just anything that I'm going to need. Uh, and then also, um, you know, know where your family is going to ride out the storm, the things that you need in your home to be safe and just take those precautions let other family members outside the area know where you're going to be and have all this as part of a plan that's written down so that when the hurricane threatens you can then easily uh, enact that uh, unfortunately in the last few years we've, we've started to do a study now to look at uh, the ways people are dying both before and after the storm and we're seeing a lot of people that are dying from either heart attacks during the preparation and recovery phase are also from uh, use of generators improperly, and uh, we really want to try to get folks to avoid those ways that they're being injured or, or killed. And so we really, again, uh, the more you can do to prepare yourself before, uh, educate yourself about how to use a generator, how to use a chainsaw if you need to clean up, so that way we're not having folks hurting themselves after the storm. We've done a lot more. I know that um, here at AccuWeather and the AccuWeather Network, we've done a lot more with trying to just keep the public aware about the dangers of generators. I think, you know, they're not necessarily aware of how dangerous that part of it is. So that's good that you mentioned that. Last year in Florida, we basically a handful of direct deaths, meaning the force of the storm uh, killed folks here from Irma, but there were hundreds, more than 100 indirect deaths uh, because, again, things, the loss of power, uh, those chainsaw and generator uh, accidents. So, again, uh, we really want to get people to be thinking about that before the storm. What are some of the problems with communicating or convincing people of what a storm's impact is going to be, like with your messaging? Have you found that there are sometimes problems with really communicating that or getting it across to people? It is often difficult, I think, for for people to understand exactly what their risk is and whether that's the storm surge uh, hazard, whether it's the inland flooding, whether it's the high winds, but really to get people to understand uh, what the the threat is at their location and then getting them to understand how to to act on that. And it may be slightly different depending on where you live. Um, I do live inland away from that storm surge threat area, so 
my plan is not to evacuate, but to make sure that my home is secure. And, uh, you know, again, people need to be able to find out what they should be doing ahead of the storm. And, of course, you're listening to the AccuWeather podcast, and we are talking to Dan Brown from the National Hurricane Center, and we're focusing on National Hurricane Preparedness Week. Now, are there some things that people should um, buy, or are there things you advise that they do well in advance, maybe just always have available that so that everybody's not at the last minute kind of in a panic state? Certainly. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that people can do before the storm season to, uh, you know, ensure that uh, they're in better position to uh, ride out the storm. Uh, some of those include, uh, you know, if there's anything that you can do to strengthen your home. I mean, some of these might be simple, but if you don't have shutters, you might consider, um, you know, purchasing shutters. Um, you know, if you if you don't have a generator and you do depend on electricity, you might want to purchase that before the storm season. Uh, but also just have those non-perishable food and water on hand. Here in the Miami area, when a storm is threatening, uh, we're in a big metropolitan area, there's a lot of people. And so those supplies become scarce uh, because people are buying those up. So, uh, you know, if you have the time before June 1st, that's the time to go out and buy the food and the water. Uh, myself personally, I also stock up on additional uh, gasoline, store it safely in my garage uh, because, again, it uh, becomes uh, valuable after the storm for generators. And also, if you do need to travel uh, you know, to and from, myself, I have to continue to travel to and from work. And just having that uh, uh, before the storm uh, makes it so much easier for myself. Now, have you found um, that social media? Does that have a positive or negative impact on, on messaging or getting things out to people? You know, I think the social media it can affect messaging in, in both ways. I think uh, overall I think it's positive and that it's reaching more and more people. Uh, there are certainly a lot of people uh, that get their uh, information via social media. But if you do, I really uh, suggest that you go and find those trusted sources, you know, the, the uh, trusted media, uh, emergency management community, and then folks uh, you know, like us here at the National Hurricane Center to make sure you're getting that uh, authoritative sources of information because uh, there is an awful lot of misinformation that can be spread on social media as well. Um, you know, One thing I, I think we try to caution folks of doing is uh, looking at uh, some of the hype that's out there. There are folks that can spread a single run of a model that's maybe 10 days out showing a hurricane hitting an area. I think it might people they get very nervous about. However, the actual chance of that particular forecast coming through uh, is pretty low at that point. I know we have that kind of problem where you mentioned <laughs> with the models and the information getting spread like 10 days in advance with uh, sometimes covering winter storms where 20 feet of snow on a model 10 days ahead of time. <laughs> and you know that, okay, this is going to change and evolve as time goes on, you know, so you can't take that yeah. verbatim. And then sometimes they're spreading them from different sources, you know. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I mean, it, it, again, it's, it's not just with hurricanes. It is happening with winter weather um, and other you know, types of weather, severe weather. That uh, again, you know, people want to have the information uh, well in advance, uh, but people have to put in perspective too that you know, a model is just a model. Oftentimes it may not be exactly what the forecasters are, are going to end up predicting because we look at various models uh, to come up with our uh, forecast track and intensity. But um, I do get worried in some ways that, that it also 
will cause us to lose a little bit of credibility in just meteorology community in general because people are going to see these long-range models and not realize that the model is not very accurate 10, 12 days out, whereas it is pretty accurate when you get into the first you know, couple of days. And that's where it really counts because that's when we get into the watch warning time period and we actually then start to hone in on what the impacts from the storm are going to be. So what are some of your concerns or goals for the 2018 hurricane season? Uh, one of, I guess, my concerns after just visiting uh, Puerto Rico, part of the uh, Caribbean Hurricane Awareness Tour last week, is that uh, you know a lot of people were impacted uh, during the 2017 season, and there's still a lot of recovery that's taking place across the Caribbean. So I think there's going to be a lot of concern about the uh, you know, first time there is a threat to some of these islands, uh, because I think folks are going to be very nervous there. And Hopefully that uh, the recovery process is far enough along that they'll still be able to take uh, any uh, threat we have this year seriously. Uh, I really hope that there are no threats to some of these islands because they really need, um, you know, uh, hopefully hopefully an easier year this year to give them time to recover. But we can't count on that. You know, uh, uh, each hurricane season is different. Each storm is different. And it really only takes one hurricane to hit, uh, you know, your area for it to be a bad hurricane season. One of the things I uh, saw on your website was about, um, there were a couple of things. One of them was getting an insurance, uh, having your insurance looked at for your home, an insurance checkup, and also neighbors helping neighbors. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I guess it takes a village (laughs) to raise a child, and it also takes a village to keep yourself safe in hurricane situations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, we, we, definitely want people to look at uh, ways they can, uh, you know, strengthen their home. But a couple other things that we really should do is to get an insurance checkup. You know, talk to your insurance agent. Make sure that you have the proper insurance. You know, know that um, any flood damage may not be covered by your typical homeowner's insurance. You may need to get flood coverage. And so have those conversations with your insurance agent before the season so that if a storm does uh, affect you, uh, you won't have any problems after the storm. And then as we get into the hurricane season and, you know, if a storm threatens and you have to start making uh, preparations is to really help each other out. You know, you may have a neighbor that uh, uh, you are able to assist putting up shutters or getting their home prepared. And at some point, perhaps you will be out of town or uh, perhaps not in condition to be able to do some of that work and have a neighbor that help you out. So, we really want folks to be able to, uh, you know, help take care of each other, again, both before, during the preparedness part of the storm, and then after, during the recovery phase as well. Okay. And also, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit, with last year's, with Harvey, Irma, Maria, I mean, all just uh, such tough hurricanes, um, I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about those and maybe some of the lessons learned from previous seasons. Uh, last year during Harvey, we actually started putting in some some call to action, some some advice that people should be taking uh, during the storm in our public advisory. Again, trying to get those messages out, such as don't drive into flooded roadways. If you're in a safe place, don't venture out. You know, those messages that we really wanted people to, uh, to try to use to save their lives. During Irma, you know, that was a, a wind, uh, more of a wind threat here in Florida. There was also a surge that occurred well away from the center, uh, although it made landfall on the west coast of Florida. We had significant surge here in southeastern Florida, the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area, and then further up the east coast toward Jacksonville. Again, just showing that a hurricane is not a point, that the you know, hazards extend far from the center. 
And then Maria, of course, just a significant wind damage that occurred uh, in Puerto Rico uh, and uh, that we can't forget about uh, the wind either from hurricanes. Right. And, you know, you mentioned Harvey, and I thought this was interesting um, when we were covering the storm here because I have a daughter that lives in Texas. And even me trying to relate the message of the fact that this is going to rain for days because I remember I said to her this this could get bad because she says well it's not supposed to strike where we're at and I was like no I'm looking at this and it is days of rain that's going to be a really big concern there so I even had that problem just communicating with my own family so I can't imagine what it's like for you no it's I I, I can run into the same uh, uh, issues with my family um, you know I work here at the Hurricane Center Forecaster uh, my parents uh, live here in the uh, Miami area, and to convince them to, you know, take the action and uh, make sure that they uh, are staying safe, sometimes uh, I have to uh, uh, use colorful language to get them to, 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 to for, for me to, you know, really really understand what the what the threat is and what the risk is. Last year, I was pretty concerned with with Irma's approach because it was, you know, potentially to be such a strong hurricane. Uh, my parents, unfortunately, live in a, a condo that doesn't have, uh, to me, adequate window protection. I really didn't want them to be uh, staying there, uh, even though they were away from the storm surge uh, risk area. Right. Uh, and so we did make arrangements for them to, to, to leave. Oh, good. So they that's what I was going to ask. Do they tend to listen to you? Do they tend to be like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> they, they, they do tend to listen, which and I, and I think it was more uh, last year because, you know, we just were all trying to stay safe. And, and I... For myself, is I really don't want to have to worry about my family during uh, during a storm since I'm since I'm working. Uh, you know, the Hurricane Center and Weather Service also took uh, Irma very seriously last year. In fact, so much so that uh, a couple of forecasters, including myself, were actually sent to uh, Washington D.C. Uh, to the Weather Prediction Center, our uh, backup site, uh, ahead of the storm, just in case the Hurricane Center uh, experienced problems. Uh, thankfully, we didn't. Uh, but we did have uh, at least a couple of forecasters uh, that were up there uh, to make sure that uh, you know the forecasts would would continue flawlessly had uh, had there been a problem. Right, you got to be able to keep forecasting, and you know even just uh, literally, quite literally, sometimes there in Florida, you know you right are in the eye of the storm. Plus, you're the the guy putting out the information. So we really. We appreciate all that you do. We hope that you have a good uh, messaging for your 2018 season and that it goes uh, well for you. And thank you so much for spending some time with us. Sure, thank you. I hope we have uh, a little bit less impactful 2018 hurricane season. Me too. But if we we have one that's impactful, let's all be ready. Right, I agree. Well, thanks so much, Dan. You're welcome. Well, Regina, that was really great, and uh, we really do appreciate having Dan Brown uh, from the National Hurricane Center joining us here on the podcast. Of course, the National Hurricane Center doing tons of great things to help keep people informed and prepared for hurricanes all over the world. And, of course, you can also get more hurricane preparedness tips just by going to AccuWeather.com slash ready. And, of course, coming up next, we actually don't have to go too far for this expert. We're right here at AccuWeather, of course. AccuWeather senior meteorologist, hurricane expert, Dan Kutlowski, joining us. 
Right. And you know what? He even served in 2011 as a special appointment at NOAA's National Hurricane Center. And that's where he was an advisor to the Forecast Improvement Program, which was a NOAA initiative. It was meant to improve communication to the public and create more timely products and services. And Dan is so good at his job that he's our director of forecast training and just an all-around great guy, Dan. <laughs> so how's that for a build-up? <laughs> uh, busy, busy. You're a busy guy. <laughs> well, it did, uh, this time of the year, I'm training people because we have most of our training that takes place in the office uh, during the late spring, early summer. And then, of course, we're also going into hurricane season. So, yeah, so uh, I come out of, of winter and go right into all kinds of interesting stuff. Right. This is the busy season for you. And before we get into, because we're going to be talking here about the 2018 forecast, but I want to talk to you a little bit about your past. Like, what brought you into forecasting? And then specifically, how did you become a hurricane expert? Right, right. Well, me start out. I was a, <laughs> I was a kid on a farm out in Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis, and uh, we grew corn, beans. We uh, had animals on the farm, but the uh, planting and uh, harvesting of the grain was was the big thing that I noticed how weather impacted. You know, weather was was blight because of very wet and very dry weather, or because of hailstorms, which completely would destroy a, a section of a field, you know. Right, so, which would be terrible. Exactly. Yeah. And and also, when you live on a farm, you see all kinds of really extreme weather. You see blizzards, you see uh, tornadoes. I mean, when I was a kid, I just thought that seeing a tornado was one of those things you normally saw when I came to college. You realize here, this is an everyday. No, exactly. So I actually was in a unique situation. So, so I think just seeing the weather evolve and being an inquisitive kid that got me into the weather. Of course, I got a, um, a degree at uh, Purdue University and uh, then was hired uh, almost uh, a few months later here at AccuWeather. What were some of the uh, storms? that maybe are the most memorable for you as far as hurricane yeah. forecasting. Well, again, here at AccuWeather, uh, Bell was by far an eye-opener. It was like almost the second day I was working here. What hurricane, year was that? That was in uh, 1976. Uh, oh, wow. Hurricane okay. Bell moved up the East Coast. Uh, it wasn't a really an extreme storm necessarily uh, by by the standards we've seen, but nonetheless, it caused a lot of chaos along the East Coast. Uh, we had a lot of uh, work to do in the office and and I had taken um, I had taken some graduate courses at Purdue University uh, in uh, media, uh, in tropical meteorology, so I really was able to uh, put that information and put that schooling into into work here at AccuWeather. Right, and it's all relative. I mean, that was one of your early storms, so obviously, yeah. oh, <laughs> well, yeah. you haven't had a whole lot of experience yet, you know. And then you're hit with that. So exactly, another another storm that really comes to life is is Hugo. Uh, mm-hmm. In 1979, Hugo, of course, uh, hit Puerto Rico, and then it hit uh, uh, South Carolina and uh, hit near Charleston. And we had several clients that were in the Charleston area, radio station, TV stations. And so uh, being able to interact with those stations, what was also interesting about Hugo, Hugo was one of the, was one of the first hurricanes, actually the first hurricane, after we kind of went into the high-tech age. In other words, a lot of TV stations had gone into using um, very sophisticated equipment, you know, instead of doing... Uh, well, it used to be, uh, we used to stick those, like, yeah, felt stick, stickies exactly, up on the board. Exactly. You know? We went to electronics in. But what happened, what I learned was 
when a hurricane hits a TV station, it pretty much fries all the electronics in a, a TV station. So I think uh, one big lesson was learned that TV stations had to build a safe room, put all their electronic equipment in. And now most TV stations that live near the coastal areas now have those safe areas so they can put all their electronics in there and are almost like uh, white rooms or, or what you call clean rooms like you would see in a in a, a hospital or something like that, you have to be very careful going in, making sure there's no dust or dirt or anything like that. Going right, that'd screw rooms. up the components exactly, and all that kind exactly. of Exactly, but again, this is more of an issue that they have along the East Coast because if a salt, salt mist gets into the air, it gets into the uh, components, electronic components. So that was one of the things that I learned you know, here at AccuWeather was dealing with uh, TV stations that had, had virtually no... <laughs> no equipment after a hurricane hit, you know. So what's it like being, we we affectionately call you Dan K in the office here. We <laughs> right. always see Dan K during hurricane season with your head down and, you know, you've, you've got a lot going on. Uh, so what's it like to be you? How do you, because I would imagine it's super stressful, so how do you handle that? <laughs> well, you know, I'm one of those people that really, I don't really bend under stress, you know. I take it as, as I, I take it as it comes to me, so... I, you know, you take the attitude, you can only do so much, you know, and you rely so heavily on your coworkers as well. I have a lot of great coworkers, uh, fantastic people that work with me, and <laughs> I've trained most of them, so, uh, <laughs> so they understand what, what we're up against. And so when we're on a uh, one-to-one relationship with those people, uh, and uh, it's, it's great, you know, and, and working with people like you as well is, is fantastic because, again, you pull from information. You can't possibly think about everything there is about the different um, aspects of forecasting the weather, whether it's hurricanes or, or blizzards, but especially hurricanes. And so every once in a while, um, people will hit me with a question and say, oh, you know, I never thought about that. Let's, right. let's discuss that. So there's certainly room for, for other discussions. I don't claim to be the know-it-all for everything. All I, I've just got this vast experience that mm-hmm. I've pulled together and this love of weather that comes with it. Right, and that's good. you got the history of dealing with it, and then you've got the love of it, and then right. a good group of coworkers. So that leads us to the question, D- drum roll, that's going to be the next thing we invest in here is <laughs> sound I will work. I will work on getting a drum roll sound effect. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. we'll do the sound effects. That's coming up next. But, okay, what is the 2018 outlook? Yeah, well, the outlook in, in a nutshell is it's not going to be as bad as last year. It oh, would, it would be very, goodness. very difficult for for a for the atmosphere to to uh, do that to us that doesn't mean we couldn't have a big storm so right now our numbers right now for uh 2018 we're forecasting 12 to 15 um storms tropical storms of those storms six to eight would be hurricanes three to five major hurricanes and about three to four direct impacts on the united states a direct impact would be basically a landfall or maybe a, a close enough call like we saw with Matthew two years ago where you'd have a tremendous amount of uh, damage regardless whether the center of the storm came on shore or not. Essentially, we're going to have a, a near normal to slightly above normal right. year. And obviously, this, this time of the year when you're talking about April and early May, uh, the atmosphere can react differently and respond differently to to the weather patterns coming out of the winter. So we call this the forecast barrier, that we call the spring forecast barrier. And so we're very nervous when we issue forecasts uh, during, uh, during April, May, and uh, before the hurricane season starts, simply because the models don't do a very good job. 
one of the things we try to do is we try to say, okay, what's the state of the atmosphere going to be as we get into the heart of the hurricane season, which is August, September, and October? So there are certain variables that we look at that give us an idea of that. So I just want to make sure I understand this clearly. So when you're saying about that forecast barrier, you're, you're essentially trying to look down the pike at what's coming. Models aren't completely reliable there, so you're taking these other components. Right. Like, what are some of the other components that yeah. you use to basically look down the pike? Right. So what we, what we try to do is we try to address uh, what the status of El Nino or La Nina is going to be during the upcoming summer. Now, usually the climate circulation, that the climate, what I call a climate uh, anomaly there, uh, is not too strong as we go into uh, May and June, but then it starts to strengthen and has a huge impact. So the water temperatures in the Pacific ha are a huge uh, component of that. Another thing we look at, as I said, not only those sea surface temperatures, but we also look at the sea surface temperatures in the Atlantic. The reason why we do that is because if the water temperatures are warm in the Atlantic Ocean, that does two things. One, it means that surface pressures are going to be lower than normal. Mm -hmm. And two, warm, moist air promotes cloud growth and cumulus clouds and thunderstorm growth in the tropics. So all you need is some kind of a seed or some kind of a feature to get spinning across the Atlantic. And if you have warm water in place. Yeah, it's got its fuel. It's got its fuel, and it's going to take off. Okay, and then I had one more question for you, and I know all weather patterns are like a fingerprint, basically. I mean, no no two are going to be exactly the same. Exactly. But looking at what you're looking at now for this season and the components, is there any season in the past that you could look at and say, mm, it's pretty similar? Seems pretty similar. Yeah, there's there, those are called analog years, and the analog years that are most that match up with what we see right now are roughly uh, the years 1996 and 2006 uh, look very good analog years. 2001 looks like a good year, and even 2012 and 2014. So there I've just given you, uh, you know, what, five or six uh, years, and you, add, you tallied all those up and you come up with an average of 13 storms, seven hurricanes, about two and a half uh, major hurricanes, and about three impacts. So that's one component. So they serve as your statistical information. That's a statistical, yeah. but again, I got to uh, I ha again have to point out to people that analog years don't necessarily work out every year. It's just another piece of information mm -hmm. we look at. So uh, people say, "Well, it's just a we, clue." It's just a clue, exactly. It's just a clue. So you're you're you know you're you're uh, Sherlock Holmes in meteorology. You're just trying to pick up those clues, those pieces of information that'll help you define what the upcoming season is going to be. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Dan, and uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Next time I see you, we'll probably be talking about bird watching or something. <laughs> Dan's an avid bird watcher, so we discussed that, and it was just uh, an enjoyable conversation with you. And I'm gonna let you get to your work because I know you've got it now for several months. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Dan. Thanks.
And a big thank you to Dan Kotlowski. Don't forget, you can check out all the details about AccuWeather's uh, 2018 hurricane forecast just by going to AccuWeather.com. And uh, we're running out of time for today, but we've got to talk about what's coming up on our next podcast, Regina. Yeah, next week's show is all about long-range forecasting with AccuWeather senior meteorologists and long-range experts Paul Pastelock and Joe Lundberg. Those guys will also share with us the AccuWeather summer forecast for the whole season. So if you're like me, you're hoping for lots of sunshine and not many rain days. <laughs> also, uh, Andy, we want to remind them to where to find us, right? That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search for AccuWeather. And if you've got a little time there, you might want to give us a rating. Yeah. We, would, we would greatly appreciate five stars. <laughs> of course. And we're always open to uh, your thoughts and suggestions. And, of course, if you have questions, comments, or anything of the like, or you'd like to talk about weather or the podcast, just send us an email, accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Right. We may hit one of your topics one of these days. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Regina Miller, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. It's the perfect blend of science and storytelling. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.